Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing, Addy Oye Jr. Joining me is twitch.tv slash Andy Cortez. A great afternoon, Blessing, and Tim O'Hussein. Great afternoon. Great afternoon to you, to Andy. Also joining us is GameSpot's Tamor Hussein. Foul tarnished. I'm, I'm very such of the Elden Ring. Emboldened. <laughs> the way he says emboldened. Come on. Yeah, that's a good word. This might be one of the most exciting games casts of the year, so I'm excited to get into it. So I'm going to waste no time in introing. Remember, everybody, that this is the kind of funny games cast where each and every week we join you to talk about the hottest topics in gaming, uh, along with reviews, previews, and impressions. If you like that, you can watch it live right here as we record on patreon.com slash kind of funny games, or you can watch it Wednesday when it posts for everyone on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. Roost Teeth dot com and on podcast services around the globe remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and Fortnite to help support the channel housekeeping for you in case you missed it extra life was this last weekend and it was a blast uh, you all showed up to help support the children's miracle network of hospitals and restreamed for 12 hours straight right now you can catch up on the shenanigans over on youtube.com slash kind of funny plays where we uploaded all of the segments of the stream you can also still donate and support extra life by going to kind of funny.com slash extra life and then psl of you xoxo is up right now that's our playstation podcast it is janet and i going through and creating our definitive playstation holiday shopping guide that is up right now on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on podcast services around the globe thank you to our patreon producers pranksy tyler ross delaney twinning julian the gluten-free gamer alex j sandoval james hastings and casey andrew today we're brought to you by honey chime native and arcane but we'll tell you about that later because I wanted to get all that out the way because I wanted to talk as much about this game as possible because get out of here because we're talking about some Elden Ring, baby. I am very excited to pick your guys' brains on this. Andy, you touched it. Tamor, you touched this, touched the game. Where do we where do we start? How much of the game have you guys played? First of all, Andy. Um, All said and done, I'd say I put around... uh... I'd say a little bit north of eight hours into it. Unfortunately, Elden, uh, unfortunately, and not unfortunately, but, you know, uh, we did extra life over the weekend. So I couldn't quite dig in as much as I wanted to, especially because I think it's a game that you can't just hop into like Forza and fart around in. I want to kind of understand everything that's being told to me. I want to know exactly what's happening. So eight hours is what I got in about three days of playtime. Something like that. Tomorrow about you. I think I was about 11 hours, 11 or 12 hours before I got unceremoniously booted off the server in the middle of a boss fight, which was brutal. Um, But yeah, I I got a a decent chunk of time with it. A lot of it, a decent amount of it actually was just kind of wandering around not really doing the stuff that people would think of as the main event in the demo. Like, um, it's more of like the exploration and I'm just going to fart about looking you know, in in various corners and seeing if there's anything interesting going on. And let me tell you, there's some interesting things going on. 
So that's where I want to start with. What was this demo? Is this the beginning of the game? Did they put you in the middle? Did you guys get to choose whatever classes you want? What was available to you in this demo? Yeah, so it was, from what I can tell, the start of the game, minus some of the context that I imagine will be put back into the full version of the game. You just kind of, first of all, if you want to hear that theme tune, that young Elden Ring theme tune, it plays Elden on theme. the yeah the Elden theme. It plays on the title screen. And let me tell you, I listened to it about five times because that is one of the most popping themes for a video game ever. It is incredible. And then you kind of hit that and then you've got a choice of the classes. Um, I believe it was six classes in total. Five. Um, five, five classes in total. There's six on the screen, but then it rotates in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's, it's, and class-wise, not a massive amount of differences. It is, as you expect, if you're familiar with the class system in any of the uh, FromSoft games, it's quite similar to that in terms of the main differences are stats and what you can and can't wield and whether you have magic or not. Um, but within that, um, there's a little more depth because what you can and can't wield, those items often have unique abilities. Um, so yeah, so you got you got those five classes. I played as the Bloody Wolf, um, and then they just let you um, uh, loose in an area called Lingrave, which is a, a small section of Lingrave. So it's a small section of the overall Elden Ring map, and then within that small section is a smaller section called Lingrave. Northern Lingrave is what we had access to. And by the way, uh, bless Tam called it. It's it's called the Bloody Wolf. He wasn't saying like. That bloody bloody wolf. wolf. Fucking wolf. That goddamn wolf. Goddamn wolf. I'm Uh, looking at the classes right now, and it looks like, yeah, there is, and this is something that the Elden Ring Twitter account tweeted out. You got the warrior, the enchanted knight, the prophet, the champion, and then the bloody wolf, as Tam called it. Right. Um, And I feel like um, I was expecting, Tam, I don't know if you were expecting this, but the warrior has a lot of magical abilities. I feel like overall, this game is encouraging you to be more magical uh, mm. with how there are so many different melee weapons that you pick up that will have a secondary magical thing called an armament, I believe is the word that they're using. Um, maybe it's a skill, but like you, your armament has a skill. So you might have a two-handed sword that you love just doing the, the classic sort of soul-style melee combat, but it might have a lightning ability where you... It, you point it up at the sky and it, it strikes down uh, lightning on an enemy. Or there's one that I picked up that you'll see in the gameplay preview that I have where it spawns four kind of swords that float around you. And when it sees an enemy, it shung, 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 and it sends all four swords towards them. It's like these blue energy swords. It fe- really feels like FromSoft wants you to be a lot more open to using magic. I also want to say that I think this is probably the most accessible FromSoft game. And that being said, I, you know, I don't mean in terms of like, oh, I, can I make the font bigger? Can I do it? No, it's none of the important shit. It's mostly like, I think this game will probably be the easiest to get into without feeling like you're getting your shit kicked in all the time. There are a lot of different ways that they help the player not feel totally powerless, not only with the magical abilities I was mentioning, but these summons are no joke. The summons that we've seen in the trailer where suddenly there's five kind of ghost-like figures that take on enemy mobs, 
my gosh, I ended up finding three wolves. Uh, not even finding them. It's just something you can buy from the main guy. And those three wolves were OP as shit and <laughs> helped me get through a lot of bosses that I I don't I probably would have taken me several tries to take on those bosses. But I was first trying a lot of people because of these three kind of wolves that attack the boss in the smallest amounts of health, but then enough to where they get staggered. And I do feel like this is probably the most accessible for anybody who says, oh, those games are just too hard for me. I think this one might be the one that they're going. Let's go for mass market right here. Yeah, okay. I think I think it's I don't know if it's a case of like let's go for mass market, but I think like I removing the business aspect of it from a design perspective, it needed to be this way because um the reason they can control the difficulty in the original games is because for like largely it's a linear path through each area, right? Like you have the you have the feeling of, you know, it's snaking on itself and it creates the illusion of a lot more like um, space than there actually is. But the critical path is always a certain way, which means that they can kind of orchestrate and curate the boss, the, the fights, whether they're just single enemies or bosses in a more considered way. And that means they can kind of maintain a certain level of difficulty because they know, oh, we'll put this enemy here, this enemy here, this enemy here, and they'll behave in this way. So if the a character or the player behaves in this way, then this is how the reaction will happen and it will result in this kind of challenge experience. We expect Whereas, the person the player to run over there after being attacked yeah, by exactly. this mob. Yeah. And 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 it's like everything's kind of confined in relation to how this is. You can't really do that in an open world environment. Um and because of that, I think that what they've really done is they've created a kind of three-tiered difficulty system. or That's how I've kind of thought of it in the open world. So what you have is like when you're out exploring, you will find kind of single straight enemies, one or two enemies, and those are cakewalk. Anyone can do those. And I think those are what a lot of people are going to initially run into, and they will be very easy to defeat. And that on its own is kind of a massive change because... With most other Souls games, you're immediately hit with a wall, like a difficulty wall to say, like, don't piss about. This is this is for people who are up for a challenge. Whereas chances are in this game, you'll find an enemy that you'll kill easily and be like, oh, shit, I can do this. That's like the base level easy encounter. Mm. From that point on, the secondary level is kind of like mobs, which is like groups of enemies like you're seeing here which are much trickier and they are kind of representative of that oh shit scenario in a lot of FromSoft games where you're like, I didn't expect to get rushed by three enemies at the same time. How do I deal with this? I didn't expect so, to die for an hour straight running to Tower Knight and Demon Souls on PS5. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like those, those mobs are still present in the open world. What I think they've done is like fascinating and really interesting is they now reward you for taking on those fights by giving you replenishment on health and magic potions or FP and HP flasks. So if you see a mob of enemies and you're like, I'm going to go for it, when you're done successfully fighting them, the game will go, good job, we're going to give you health back and we're going to give you the ability to recover your um, FP back as well. And is that, that is such that a like smart a droppable, way. Is that like the mobs are dropping them or the, the game just no, automatically? No, the game is like, well done, you've killed that last enemy in mm. this group of enemies, here's the stuff back. It's like in the same way that, you know, in, in um, Bloodborne or whatever it may be, any game from soft game where you rate a, a message highly, like whoever wrote that message is getting a replenishment of their their um uh SS flask. 
it's that same way where just like an ethereal wisp just comes around you and it replenishes your your resources so you're like okay there's an intermediate level of um, difficulty now but they've also introduced a kind of reason for you to engage with that because otherwise you'd just be like well i'm just not going to go anywhere near these this mob I'm, yeah I'll just what's stay the away point from what's, what's the, the point, point of it and the I point do think, is yeah there i was i was also going to say and in in addition to that you can teleport fast travel to any of these bonfires or they call them grace points uh, points of grace grace yeah. whatever the hell you can teleport to any of these at any time blessing as long as you aren't in certain dungeons but if i'm in the open world i don't have to go back to uh to a bonfire to a grace mm -hmm. point to go to another one i can just do it from wherever i'm standing and that i think is another one of those ease of life things that i think fromsoft understands yeah enough of this game will be a pain of the ass how can we make it a little more tolerable to where a player is isn't saying damn i'm getting kicked in the ass you know 20 times against this boss and now the fast i also got to worry about being at a point of grace or whatever to get all the way over there it's there's a lot of kind of ease of life and quality of life choices that have happened and i don't i didn't necessarily expect to see those tam yeah yeah so the 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 kind of how that comes into play is so that the, the top tier of difficulty is obviously the mini bosses and bosses which there are a few of them in the demo um and like i didn't see all of them i know that there's definitely one that like this this lad is one of them who i accidentally tried to i ran into and fought and he was a pain in the ass but i know there's a boss that andy fought that i didn't fight and then vice versa um but like those are the top tier difficulty kind of they're the souls experience that you expect and it's really interesting. One of the other things that they've done to make it a little more inviting is they have the Sites of Grace, um, which is basically the bonfire equiv equivalent where you die, you can respawn there. They've also introduced something called the Stakes of Marika, which is kind of like these mm. checkpoints out in the open world. So like, let's say you stumble upon an encampment and there's like a, a you know, a bunch of enemies there. There's probably not a bonfire, but if you look around, you'll probably see that there's a stake of, stake of Marika there, which is effectively like when you die, you can either choose to respawn at a site of grace, which is a bonfire, probably pretty far away, or you can respawn at one of the stakes, which is just before that encounter. So you're not having to run all that way back and you can get back into the game quicker, which is just a quality of life thing that kind of feels good. And also feels like it needed to happen to be in this open world setting. They've done some really smart things with transferring that formula into the open world. So I got I got a lot of questions, and I feel like we jumped right into detail real quick. So to take a few mm -hmm. steps back, like how much did you guys like the demo? I really liked it. I thought I it was it. really, really, really like I I'm annoyed that it ended. And yeah. I'm, ex I'm 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 not 100 percent sure whether the, the the code that we got will give us access again. And I'm like. If I don't get access again, I'm going to be furious. So I I'm think, desperate to jump back in. I think we will. Um, and I, I certainly hope we will because I got the the decline email saying, nope, you're not invited, sucker. And I was like, hey, well, guess what? You're I already waiting. played. Um, <laughs> blessing, this is by far the biggest demo I've ever been a part of. In any sort of test, whether it's a an event or just a random demo as a kid where you would just download a fucking demo, mm -hmm. this thing is so lengthy and there are so many different areas to explore. And without all of the removing the sort of element interactivity that we're used to with Breath of the Wild, this gave me all of those vibes in the way that every other person has said, wow, this is like Breath of the Wild, but Dark Souls. When you're running and you see something and go, 
oh, what the heck is that? I'm going to check that out. That happened uh, just countless times in this playthrough really? to the point where I couldn't get back to... <laughs> I had meant to get back to a boss that Tam had talked to me about that kicked my teeth in because I didn't know what it was. I just kind of entered an area. This thing just absolutely destroyed my ass. But it's one of those really nice, fast boss fights that you're like, oh, this is going to be sick as hell, you know, parrying at the right moment. And I meant to go back at it, but on the way, what the hell is that thing? Oh, let me go. Oh, shit, there's yeah. a cave. Oh, my God. Oh, here's a dungeon. And it is full of those moments where you are constantly discovering new things to go look and find out. And I'm walking in the middle of a field, and I hear, hey, you, hey, hey, come over here. And you're like, who the fuck? Is Why is this bush talking to me? And you swing <laughs> at the bush, and it turns into a monkey, and the monkey's like... Yeah, I got kicked out of my clan. You know, it's it's that cave down by the beach. And you're like, I, oh, shit, I'm going to go I, check out so this cave by the beach. You know, the, the interesting thing is I have no idea what Andy's talking about. Like, yeah, I like, and, and I sound I like a fucking crazy that. person. I, yeah. And like, <laughs> it, it seems like it's quite a lot of content. So did you find like the other thing that I found was like um, this beach? I went onto a beach and like there's a rock in the middle of this random remote location of this beach. And then around that rock is just like these glyphs are appearing, like almost in a trail. Like footsteps. And they're just, they're like footsteps and they're just going round and round this thing. And I stood there for a good 20 minutes trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And I could not find an answer. It's one of those things where it's like, and then nearby I heard a giant and I was like, maybe if I can lure that giant into the middle of this thing maybe something will happen and i spent ages jumping on my spectral steed or his name's torrent trying to get the stupid giant to come close to me but they have that classic um from software style like uh, aggro leash where after a certain point they're like now nah, we're backing off we don't like this area yeah <laughs> but like i got him so close and it just i couldn't figure it out and that and, like, same I, giant you're talking about tam i brought him up to fight the guy on the horse in the middle of the field oh did they attack each other they didn't attack each other, but I was trying to get them to hurt each other. That's the thing I was kind of disappointed by. I was like, can we get the Breath of the Wild moment here where the enemies suddenly hit each other and go, now I'm mad at you. No, they both kept hunting me and I got them like both around half health because they kept on hitting each other. Then I eventually got killed. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, that moment of interactivity was not there. That's the thing that is like I wrote this in my preview on the best video games website on the Internet, GameSpot.com. Oh, yeah. But like the one thing I did not expect from this game is like tranquility and serenity and like feeling like at peace mm. and i wrote this in my preview but like if you're a souls fan you know that those games a souls born fan from soft fan you know those games have those moments but they're isolated they're filing shrine they're medulla they're dilapidated temple they're hunter's dream you go there and it's like you feel at peace and you feel like the world and like they're, they're environments that like they're they're kind of like a warm embrace they like they like speak to you and they're like this sucks for you man like you know the, this is the entire fate of the world has been put upon you and there's something really beautiful about that feeling being in the lands between the area we had i felt that feeling pretty much everywhere it's like it was like spread out across and they do the thing where they ha you know you know that every single one of these games has one of those themes like filing shrines theme um, it's like this soft kind of like moving emotional theme that plays while you're out in the wild and then every now and then you get accidentally or intentionally, depending on what your what your kind of like approach is, you get into FromSoft or Dark Souls style scenarios where you're like, oh shit, I'm suddenly like amidst this massive group of enemies and now I need I'm fighting for my life. And then like I'm once you're done with life. Yeah, I'm fighting for my life. and then once you're done with that, the serenity comes back and you're like, oh, 
that kind of feeling is different because in the in the actual souls games you fight for your life and then you're still in that environment where you're like you're on edge your yeah, adrenaline you're gonna is still pumping you're going to take more steps and you're going to fight yeah, for your life you're again. not sure you don't know how it feels like you don't know what the next thing how soon the next thing is going to be on your ass mm -hmm. whereas in this game it's like you have that tension and then it like dissipates and then so, you're back in the world again is it not the loop of continually looking for the next bonfire or for the next lamp because i know for bloodborne that always felt like the thing for me that contributed to the stress okay cool i'm i've gotten to this next lamp let's go on let's make our way to the next spot and as i'm making my way there i get into encounters i finish one encounter but it's like cool then if i this encounter finished doesn't matter if i lose to the next encounter is it the fact that there's not always the next that, lamp to get to that exists but in the specific locations like okay. the the stormwind castle that is where that that classic dark souls bloodborne and that's more of, of a like, dungeony type area that is yeah so we didn't like i don't know about you andy but there wasn't a, i found maybe like two or three locations like stormwind castle was one of them and then there were a couple of cave scenarios that i went into that felt like that where it was like oh my lord i can't see anything I'm about to lose my mind. If I take every step forward, felt like, I don't know if I'm about to die here. I'm not 100% sure if something's going to come out of nowhere. And that is where it's like squeaky bum, ed edge of the seat kind of gameplay. It was there. Yeah, a thousand percent. All those moments kind of, I felt that in those caves. And I was like, oh, damn, I got to go buy a torch. Bought the torch, felt a lot safer in those areas. Um, Storm, Stormwind? Stormwind no. Castle, I think That's, it is. Yeah. Stormwind is... World is, of Warcraft. is that World of Warcraft? Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's something games? like that. It, it's the 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 hill that you walk up to is called Storm Hill. So maybe it's Storm Hill Castle. Um, either way, I definitely felt that in those moments because that felt like a typical Dark Souls type castle that you're used to. Um, it's, it's Stormwind. It's Stormwind Castle. Stormwind. And uh, I I especially kind of felt this moment. Of... Are you sure it's not Storm Vale? Storm Vale. Oh, Storm Vale. Maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're right because the wind is kind of covering it. That's like the yes, whole yes, sort of thing yes. of it. Um, one th feeling that I, I I especially enjoyed was while in Storm Vale Castle, feeling kind of scared and not sure what moment you're going to get fucked in because we remember that gameplay reveal, the one that Barrett has up right now, where pretty soon the guy crosses a wall, somebody stabs you in the back and you go, oh, damn it, I can't wait to feel that, but I also never want to feel that. <laughs> I got to a point where there's a room to my right and it's looked dark and scary in there and there's a little message on the ground and it says, powerful foe ahead. And I'm like, oh, god damn, there's about to be something in here. And I fought the thing, and it was scary as shit, and I barely survived, and I got a key out of it. I said, oh, that key will probably open this door. I go to that door, eh, open the door up, try to climb the ladder, and it says, uh, wait to experience more, more, more in the retail version. In the, re in the full game. And I, I, <laughs> and I was, was like, no! so mad. I was so <laughs> That's mad. That's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they but yeah, they're like... There are definitely those moments of the, the sort of typical level design that you love uh from dark souls games there's a tons of shortcuts in that stormvale area really really cool interesting stuff to see go ahead bless how important was i remember reading the previews and the previews mentioned uh, i believe it was it was in stormvale castle where you would encounter a character that is like hey you can go through the front door but they're gonna fuck you up with arrows the better way is to go around and you would have the choice as the player to like either go through the front or go through the back how important or do you guys get to experience like the choice and, and where that would lead you yeah, I did both. Um, I did and both. 
Yeah, so the 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 path he tells you, like this dude, um, he's like, yeah, you want to go through over here because there's less shit, and it was definitely the path of least resistance. It well, there was still uh, ample resistance on that way. Like there were still enemies, and like there are plenty of stuff to really mess you up. The path through the front gate was definitely like, oh, you think you're a gamer? Let's see. And mm-hmm. that that felt like, oh shit, it felt like being in like uh one one boletarian palace in in demon souls for the first time where you're yeah. like i'm gonna i'm just gonna like shift forward slightly and see where the arrows come from and like that was how it was like very much like gingerly walking in and seeing what you can navigate at at the same time that's also where like it i i've encountered the boss that i was unable to beat because or an enemy that i was unable to beat um because uh it killed me and then i got kicked off the server but it was like fully one of those moments where i was like i got through all of these enemies i managed to do it and then i walked through a room and this enemy appeared behind me and i was like oh my god i happened i was like i was like screaming and running like oh no 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 no!" i was like shit I happened to not go through that doorway that tam talked about but i went through that full area and it's there's a lot of people in crossbows trying to fuck your life up. Yeah. Um, and then I got to the end of it and there was just kind of like those wooden pikes covering a doorway. And I was like, I guess I can't go through here. I'm kind of stuck here. Fuck it. I'm going to teleport out of this place because <laughs> I don't yeah. want to go back through it and probably die. And then Tam was like, oh, if you would have taken a right here, there would have been a really bad monster. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, thank... I mean, thank God I didn't see it, but also, damn, I wish I would have gotten was, footage of that. That monster, it was fully one of those moments where I walked into this room, and I was like, huh, it's just a dead-end room. And then I turned the camera, and it was running towards me. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my Lord, I'm stuck in this room. And, like, I had to quickly, like, you know, the panic roll. I panic rolled my way out of there. I was like, please, God, iframe, save me. And I got out of there. But, yeah, that that traditional kind of, like... So, like, the multiple path thing, I don't know how prevalent it's going to be in the game. This could be a simply a moment where, you know, a character is trying to show you that there's multiple opportunities for you um, and kind of instill that. Or it could be a character-based thing where they're trying to present that ladder to be, like, an ally for you on along the way, patches him up or something like that. But the important thing to take away from that is, like, some of that kind of, like, snaking, falling in on itself, like, really think about how you're approaching um uh each environment um is still in this game and that's one example of it another example is like i had that moment where you know you're you're walking into a dark corner of the world and you're like um you navigate through it and then you come out the other side and you're like oh i know where i am this is this is exactly because i had that moment where i was like i was look peering over out into the sea and i saw an island that was completely like um uh isolated and i was like i can't get there because there's no swimming in this game as far as i know um, I didn't try it because I'm not stupid. Uh, well, I definitely just <laughs> fell off the cliff and died. Okay, cool. So like, I saw I'm that stupid. and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how, I don't think you're, that's supposed, you're supposed to get there. That's just like, you know, background scenery, skybox shit. And then I went into a cave, which was like pretty far away and then fought through this cave. There's a boss in that area, which is like two of them at the same time and loads of like small enemy, like uh, enemies littered around. And that was a rough fight. And then I went through the other side. Super easy with the wolves. Super easy. Yeah, I did not have the wolves. I was relying on... <laughs> See, I, I tried my best to, like, learn the parry in this game. And I was reasonably successful. But some enemies, it's like, no, don't try and do that. Um, but I fought through that cave, got to the other side, and then, like, emerged onto, onto like, the uh, uh, surface level. And I was like, oh, like this is that island I was looking at. Yeah. And I was like, that's where I was standing. So it's that moment where it's like, yes, they have definitely still created these 
these this world thoughtfully and i'm super excited to see someone do the that piece of artwork which is like here's the entire world of elden ring for you to print off and it's massive and you can have it up as nice artwork um so yeah like the- for this to be the starter area i think is what makes me so excited because again i poured in a lot of hours into this closed network test which by the way you don't have not all of it is accessible uh i not only did i just mention how that ladder cut me off but there are tons of areas near the east side of this big island that you're running around on that you will run into the developer walls saying, no, you can't cross here where this area is blocked off. So it's not like we even had full access to this gigantic island, but you're still able to explore so much of it. And yeah. I was just mostly shocked by that, Tam, because, by the way, the monkey that I ran into, the, the, the was the bush. Yeah, the monkey. He he was kicked out of that cave that you were talking about. Ah, that's the cave he was kicked out of. But there are other moments where I found another cave, and I see oh, it's a it's a um it's a mine shaft place. It's it's there people are you know pick rock picking rocks and 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 crystals in the wall and collecting them, and it you just keep going down lifts and going down lifts and you and at that point I'm thinking how fucking big is this demo? I just feel like I'm still in this area traversing through it finding secret places to drop off of and then i dropped off on a secret place and there's a boss fight oh shit here's a new boss i don't know when the last time i stopped at a at a um at a grace uh what do they call point of grace a side of grace a side of grace uh i died oh a marika statue was nearby though here i am right back into it let me get to that boss fight awesome so there have been like so many comparisons to this game in Breath of the Wild in terms of how open it is and the exploration and all this stuff. You mentioned earlier the idea of, oh, yeah, like I'll be on my way to something, see something else and then go chase after that instead and go along this line of dis- discovering a bunch of things that I didn't expect to discover in that moment. How empowering do you feel to go out and discover and go out and actually explore the world? Because I know for me with Breath of the Wild, that game is punishing in moments, but overall is is very far from like a Demon Souls or a Dark Souls in terms of the actual difficulty. And so I don't get afraid when I want to go explore shit in Breath of the Wild. Did you feel as empowered to explore in this game and actually try to discover things without the fear of the guy's going to come out of nowhere and stab me to death? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know, because I kind of, that's what I want out of this. Like, if you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. that, that element of fear of like stepping into the unknown is part of why I love these games. So yeah, I did feel empowered. And I think the the three tiered system that I mentioned earlier, where you get areas where it's like just a couple of straight enemies and you feel good about going, going into them and fighting them and then exploring that you get a lot of that. But there are moments where like I turned a corner and I was like, there's a massive plant enemy there surrounded by smaller plants and it's just spewing shit. And I feel like I had to will myself to engage into it. And that's kind of what I want. And ultimately, like, I did it and I got just an item out of it, some crafting material. And I was like, oh, that wasn't worth it, but I enjoyed doing that. And that is the feeling of it. Did for you me, ever have the feeling? Oh, go for it, Andy. I was going to for me, absolutely. I, I, again, the reason why I keep doing the Breath of the Wild uh, comparison is because it just reminds me so much of the first day back at work after playing Breath of the Wild all weekend. And all your coworkers are talking about all sorts of different things that they saw. And it's been such a long time since I felt that again, because in a lot of games, it's go to the icon on the map. It's go to that one quest marker. Talk to that one person about the quest. There's rarely like, hey, did you happen to get this quest in this game? 
there's rarely that moment. And I feel like this moment, this game is going to be full of them, especially with how much that we experience that I experienced just in this small demo that I, and I say in quotation small, because there's so much to see. I felt the more than anything, I felt a sense of adventure. And mm-hmm. I think that's one reason why it's, you may feel less dread <laughs> in this game unless, until you get to those moments yeah. like in Stormvale Castle, but they're not being a whole lot of dread and more of like, I'm on this horse and it's powerful and it's got a double jump. I feel more than powerful enough to go to places that I may have been scared of otherwise because it isn't linear. It isn't leading you down a path that you know, oh man, this is about to get real fucked up here pretty soon. You know that I could go somewhere where there's really hardly any enemies or I'm going to go there and there's going to be a big ass fucking crab who wants to eat my ass for lunch. Mm -hmm. There's just like so many cool things to do in this world. So does the two questions that are kind of bundled into the same question, is there an explicit quest system? Are there side quests? Is there quest tracking? Is there any of that? And then also, are, are there times in the game where you feel underleveled or points where, where you've hit a place in the open world where you're like, oh, I should not be here. I am not ready for this. I know it was a contained demo, and so maybe you guys didn't have the freedom to actually go super crazy in terms of location, but did you have any of that? There's no, as far as I could tell, there was no explicit quest system. The closest you get to it is... Um, you get the guidance of grace, I believe it's called, where every now and then you'll see like a wisp of um, golden particles kind of pointing you in a specific direction. And some of them, like you'll see it floating in the air and you follow it and it will take you to a site of grace or it will be coming out of a site of grace and it'll be like pointing into the distance and like you can follow it. And that's basically saying go this way for the for the main quest. Other than that, it feels felt very hands off. I don't think you're going to find someone who's going to be like, hey, I've lost my pots and pans. I think I left them near this swamp. Can you mm-hmm. get the swamp? Can you get my pots and pans? And then it's like, get pots and pans. I think it's very much that from software style of quest where it's like, hello, wanderer. I'm, I miss my dad. Let me know if you see him. And then, you know, hours later, you're like, damn, I had my daughter a minute ago. I don't know where she's gone. And then you're like, oh, I see what's going on here. And I need to progress this quest somehow. I love that. So it's that, it's it's that very opaque. It's very opaque. I really it's, love that. The thing that I'm like glad is in making the transition to open world, they haven't gamified the open world, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. In the same way, this does not feel like a Witcher. It does not feel like even a Metal Gear or a, or a um, Assassin's Creed. It's still that style of From Software world where it's, opaque and pieces of it are familiar to you and you understand some element of it but you need to really think and dig into um uh kind of like the meaning behind things and draw the connections yourself that is still how much how that how that world feels i think the most obvious it was was talking to that monkey who said there's a cave on the shore and i I, uh, they put a spell on me and i became a fucking plant thanks for freeing me from this spell um damn i you know i i know that there's some really good treasure there is what the guy told me and I'll, now I'll, I have it in my head. I'm going to go look for this cave on the shore. And it's the one that Tam already mentioned when you're going through this kind of big area and it gets pretty daunting at times. But those are the type of quests that I absolutely love. It's, it's, it's putting two and two together and going, God damn, that is a really cool, interesting way to get me engaged. And I hope that the world is littered with that all everywhere. Because I know in Dark Souls uh, and Bloodborne and Sekiro, you get that in pieces here and there. But mm. the idea that like, this just opens up those possibilities so much more to have the random NPC say stuff. The first NPC you say kind of talks shit to you and tells you, you don't have a maiden. Sorry, you're fucking useless. 
Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, when I get a maiden, I want to go back and talk to that motherfucker and see what he has to say now. You know, like yeah. it's little things like that that really kind of in other games, you talk to the NPC, they have a throwaway line and it doesn't really affect anything. You go back and they may still just have the same old line that they're saying. But like Souls games and FromSoft games always keep those things in mind. And you're going to go back and they're going to say something different because you killed that alligator and they were fucking terrified of the alligator and they threw m- mentioned it in a throwaway line it's gonna mean something here yeah the the thing is like from software's games they the the best kind of quest for me is when you're not aware you're on a quest and like they this is what it's what it's like never will it say you're on a side quest this is your side quest you would mm-hmm. just realize that you're doing something that connects to something else and you'll have that aha moment where it's like oh snap i'm doing this thing and it's really cool um and i feel like even in the small section of the game that we played there was a lot of that so i can only imagine what it's going to be like in a bigger much bigger game uh, now, i wanted to really 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 quick no, i wanted to say that um i definitely felt under leveled against certain enemies but there are I don't really know, but just based on this area, I think this is all just very a very good tutorial island. Uh, even though it's like pretty big, it's not really even an island. It is a big piece of land. And I think a lot of what they're teaching you is this is kind of what the rest of the game is going to be. So there might be an open field with a bunch of weak-ass enemies, and suddenly you're going to have a guy that you hit once, and you see the health bar go bloop, and it's the tiniest bit of health you took off, and you go... Fuck, I'm going to get on my horse and peace the hell out. And I know that that dude is very, very powerful. And you know that the aggro range of that dude, you're not stuck into that boss fight. Just just like this horse that we meet in the beginning, the dude on the horse, like you can run away from him and he will de-aggro and then go back to his zone. Like you're not completely fucked there. And at the end of it, I ended up going back to fight him because I had leveled up enough. You start off at level five. I got up to like level 17 and I went back and, and I fought him and it was great. And I, I love that feeling of empowerment going like beating this dude isn't a quest, but I know that I'm going to get a good amount of runes, which is kind of like your souls or your your blood. What do they call them? Um, blood echoes. echoes. Yeah, blood echoes. That's like your former currency. And I know I'm going to get a decent amount and then I can use that to buy stuff, which you can buy stuff for crafting blessing, which is in oh, this game now. Ooh, there are there's awesome. crafting. Yeah. Uh, Andy, Tam, I want to talk about crafting in a second, but before we do, I want to remind people that you can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Arcane, the Netflix original series from the creators of League of Legends. Arcane is a nine-episode, three-part series that follows the story of two young girls, Vi and Powder, who were born in the undercity beneath Pill Over. Their eagerness to prove themselves sets a series of events in motion that take their relationship to its breaking point and transforms them forever. Witness the animation event of the year and see the champions you know and love like never before. Vi, Jinx, Hammerdinger, and Jace's stories will all intertwine in this action-packed series. Whether you've played League of Legends for ages or if you're brand new to Rune Terra, Arcane is the perfect introduction to League of Legends' vast worlds, following the origins of some of its most iconic characters. Uh, it dives into the stories behind one of the most played games of all time, and now you can too. Prepare for the epic battle that's only the beginning. Arcane is now streaming exclusively on Netflix. Next up, shout out to Native. It's the best smelling season of the year, and thanks to Native's new seasonal scents, 
you guys are gonna be able to smell real good, just like I do everywhere I go. We're talking about deodorant. Native deodorant is formulated with ingredients that you know and love, like shea butter and coconut oil. They never use parabens, aluminum, or sulfates. Get out of here, no. Yet, it keeps you smelling amazing all day. They've got classic scents, and now their holiday-inspired collection like candy cane, sugar cookie, and fresh mistletoe. And it's not just us at Kind of Funny that love Native. They have over 15,000 five-star reviews. Gia loves Native. She loves all this stuff, and she smells good all the time. She actually got me using it. She inspired me, and now we're a really good-smelling family. That all rhymes. Keep the scents of the season with you with Native's limited-time holiday-scented deodorants. Go to nativedeodorant.com and use code KFGAMES to get 20% off your first purchase at checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com, code KFGAMES for 20% off Native deodorant.com use the code kf games and next up shout out to honey shopping online from your pjs is the best unless you're doing it without honey because honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best ones it finds to your cart honey supports over 30,000 stores online from tech and gaming sites to fashion brands and even food delivery it's also super simple to use when you go to check out the honey button drops down all you got to do is click apply coupons if honey finds a working code you just watch the prices drop uh just last week i was buying some new furniture for the studio and honey saved me hundreds of dollars it's so fantastic so easy to use i've been using it for years and i am never gonna stop if you don't already have honey you could be straight up missing out on free savings it's literally free and installs in just a few seconds by getting it you're doing yourself a solid and supporting this show you guys should check it out get honey for free at joinhoney.com kinda that's joinhoney.com kinda and finally shout out to chime did you know that in 2019 traditional banks made 11 billion dollars in overdraft fees that is a bonkers number but chime does things differently chime is an award-winning app and debit card that saved its members over 10 billion in overdraft fees with spot me fee free overdraft uh, you deserve to have financial peace of mind join the millions of americans already loving chime sign up takes only two minutes that doesn't affect your credit score uh, get started today at chime.com kf games that's chime.com kf games banking services provided by and debit card issued by the bancorp bank or stride bank na members fdic spot me eligibility requirements apply overdraft only applies to debit card purchases and cash withdrawals limits start at 20 dollars and may be increased up to 200 by chime chime member overdraft fee savings based on eligible members use of spot me versus 33 average overdraft fee overdraft fee data based on bank rate checking account survey and crl june 2020 overdraft fees report remember chime.com kf games now i got a lot of questions still this is an awesome conversation by the way because i feel like we've touched on so much and i still have so many questions to jump into i want to talk about crafting i also do want to talk about combat and classes because we had talked about classes at the top and tam you mentioned that you played as the bloody wolf andy i want to know uh what class uh you you picked and i want to know what your guys thoughts are on class combat magic crafting go off i too picked the bloody wolf <laughs> i too picked the bloody wolf but then at one point i had also tried the enchanted knight um and the enchanted knight had um the, the Enchanted Knight felt pretty OP in that I, I think it's the one character that you see in the gameplay trailer where it summoned the sort of arrow volley that shoots down, but it looked mm. like rain almost. Um, so that's like the I didn't I never got that ability. I basically messed around with it with a couple minute for a couple minutes and then I never tried it out again. So I don't have a whole lot of experience with it, unfortunately. But the Bloody Wolf just seemed like 
the best step because looking at the warrior stat, I expected the warrior to be a big brute melee dude, zero magic whatsoever. And the, the warrior had like a lot of points set into arcane and intelligence, I believe. And I was like, oh, that seems more like a melee type or more of a magic type class. I'll stray away from that. Yeah, I, I messed with a bunch of the classes. I tried the warrior, the enchanted knight, and um, the champion, I think. Um, and it, it was like variations of, um, like, is one character will feel like they've got more stats in power, one will have uh, strength, sorry, and one will have it in dexterity, and the other one, obviously the warrior was more dexterous and nimble and used two blades instead of one and that kind of stuff. And then whether there's a... If they're like main magic user versus a, you know, like the bloody wolf who can still use magic, but it's not particularly a f like um, adept at it. So it, it, there was a nice amount of variation, but I feel like the true kind of like uh, the opportunities that the classes will present are going to reveal themselves as you get deeper into the game and you acquire more items and stuff like that. So like each of the the weapons that as Andy mentioned, like you find or the armor that you find usually has some sort of um as well as like stat differences will sometimes have some sort of ability benefit to it. Like my my original um starting point as the bloody wolf was the shield and the sword and um the shield allowed me to parry, which is the classic like swing your shield and try it at the right time. And then if I took the shield off and you pressed um, L2, for example, the summoning of the um, the lightning bolt would happen. Later on down the line, I found the the, the giants pulling the carriage. I managed to kill all the uh, enemies in the air and kill the giants, and then found a set, an armor set, including some sword, a sword and and a new shield um, in in the back of it. And that sword, instead of doing the lightning thing when I hit that same button, he'd like spin it around him and. Um, then Boom, kind of summon it and counter. smash it into the ground and it create this wave of energy in front of me. So it's like, basically, they, I think what they've done is like, they've looked at everyone who played Bloodborne and went, people like these trick weapons because they introduce an interesting new like ability mechanic or like some sort of new way of playing. Um, and they've tried to put those in as many things as possible. Um, so I think that a lot of the variety and the kind of actualization of class differences will come in the uh, the tools that you find in the world. I've I've always sort of been the one to stray away from magic because uh, there's just some dumb part of my pride that goes, nah, magic's the easy way out, homie. Don't do it. You got to do yeah. it the hard way if you want to feel like you really, truly beat this game, uh, which is a stupid way to think, so don't think that way. But I do like that they are making kind of magic be this... It's kind of always there, whether you are just a sword guy, you will have that secondary ability mm. in your kit that's supposed to just kind of feel like it's one of your abilities in your kit. You use your RB to fucking light attack, your R, your right trigger is your heavy attack, and your left trigger is the magic thing for that sword. And I think they're just kind of trying to make them all interplay a little bit more together. In, in terms of how it feels to play, I know From Software is kind of carved out a few, I guess, classes of what their games feel like combat-wise and movement-wise from Souls to Bloodborne to Sekiro. Elden Ring seems like it's going to be more Souls than uh, the other two. Is that how it feels to actually hold it in your hand and actually play the game? Does it feel more Souls? And even when you're moving through the environment, does it still feel Souls? Yeah, it feels like it's it's the natural progression from Dark Souls 3. Um, it doesn't have a specific... 
it doesn't have like a showpiece mechanic um like the the gunshot visceral attack from uh bloodborne or like mm. the parry system from uh sekiro or anything like that it does feel that same kind of weighty considered kind of approach to combat that um uh the souls games demons and dark have however there are some new intricacies to combat there's stuff like the jumping attack which you can jump now at the press of a button that isn't right stick or left stick so you can reliably hit the jump button and lad will just launch himself into the air and while you're in the air you can do a light attack which is fine but if you do a heavy attack you do like a crushing attack which will break their stance um, yeah. You can also break stance by doing a kind of guard counter, I believe it's called, something like that, where if you put your shield up, the moment you take the hit, if you press the R2 heavy attack button, you will automatically respond with a, a heavy swing that will break their stance, um, which and is a it, new... Yeah. I was going to say, it will break like these smaller people's stances. It, it, I think a lot of these mechanics are about understanding who they affect. In a lot of ways, just like when I would play Bloodborne or, or Dark Souls and go, is it, and I would ask chat, is this guy parryable? Can I parry this guy? No? Okay, I'm two-handing this then, or whatever. Because I like, I like knowing when I can parry certain enemies. Yeah. Um, but the, the, there are those moments that, um, that were kind of surprising to me, that there was sort of this stance break that you have, um, where usually it just felt like, when you want to open up an enemy to having to them being on their knees and going like, hey, hit me for this really big critical hit right now. I'm open up, just hit R1 or whatever. Yeah, breaking that stance was kind of something that I didn't expect to see, Tam. I, I didn't think that that would be an actual mechanic. And yeah. it felt kind of OP at the start. But then you start realizing, oh, this doesn't work on everybody. This is yeah easier for smaller dudes. You get you get some enemies, and like that's one of those things where I think it's a a way to give people the feeling of the gunshot visceral without demanding the strict timing of it, and also not making it so uh, as powerful in that it just trivializes everything. Because if you could do that to everyone as reliably as you can pull that move off, it would be a joke. So it generally works on like smaller enemies. Um, I tried to do it against one of the bosses, and the bosses was like, "Nah, dude, this is you. This is a bad time for you. Don't try and do that." Um, and you do get some like mid-tier enemies that will uh, kind of they when you hit them, they won't like uh, flinch from the attack. They'll carry. They'll finish their animation. So you trade blows, and then at that point, you have to decide whether it's worth doing that. And uh, the boss that I was able to successfully do it to um, was like, "Yeah, I can reliably hit them back with this move, but I'm also taking damage, and he is doing way more damage than it's worth doing." So you, there's still a like strategic consideration to be made, even if the mechanical input of that m move is very, very simple. Um, so it, it, it's a way of introducing something that makes things easier for people but also making sure that it's not a crutch and it still is balanced to a degree, which I think is incredibly smart. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the main mechanics, new mechanic stuff. And then there's also the mounted combat, which was, it kind of, it's finicky depending on how you approach it. It works fine on big enemies uh, because you can like lock on and almost circle strafe and use your boost and double jump to give you maneuverability. Whereas if you try and take that active style of like mounted combat on a smaller enemy, it's much more difficult. You're running because, circles around them. Yeah, you just run it. You're moving too fast and your swings are like missing. So like I found myself like when it was a small enemy, I'd just stop in front of them and just be like, 
you're done and just hit them and because like when you hit them they like they're kind of knocked back and they don't really have a chance of hitting you back so you can just kind of like bully they're them missing as much as you are really yeah yeah but like there are the the other mounted um enemies and bigger giant style enemies you want to be a little more active and you want to be a little more like keeping it on the move talk to me about crafting what's the crafting like I didn't um, do a whole lot of it, Tim. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did a decent amount, but like, what, so first thing to establish is completely different from in other, other I mentioned this in my, in my preview on second best video game website on the internet, gamespot.com. Um, the, the interesting thing about this is like the lands between doesn't feel like a world that is uh, in ashes. You're not, you're not in a kingdom that's, been destroyed and you're now like it's in the last gasps of life this is a place that still feels alive and the way they present that is like there's so much wildlife like you the amount of times i walked like just to a place and there was just a couple of like penguin lads just being like what up um or like birds just flying around there's like a goat type animal which like stares at you for a little while when you get too close it like it rolls up into a ball and then rolls away to like get some space and like it was wild to see like non-threatening species in this world that are just like chilling. They're like, what are you up to? Of course, if you kill them, you will get some like material. Um, I felt bad Jesus. about killing them. Like Jesus. it was just like you can't. I thought you were gonna say like, oh yeah, their friends will turn on you and start fighting you. The fact you kill them and you get more material. You get oh, yeah. more crafting material. And you they also are... get those from like standard enemies as well. There's like some gross around like the, that you fight like the crabs for example there's these giant crabs which are fucking terrifying they're like, fast they're over, they're over in the distance and you're like oh there's a big crab there and then you step forward and you're in its aggro range and it like crab shuffles right in front of you <laughs> in like seconds and you're like oh my god oh my god oh my god and then it takes massive swings and you're like oh fuck and now i'm in this fight against this crab and then you beat that and you'll get like oh it's some crab material so you get a decent amount from, and then you can also like pick berries and fruit and that kind of stuff on for or on horseback, and go into like a menu system where you can craft materials, the kind of things that will give you buffs or or like um, heal your your horse or something like that. And there's also the Breath of the Wild style, like, oh, I found this traveler's cookbook, cookbook that's yeah. got loads of recipes in it and that kind of stuff. Um, I think it also kind of like there's. There's ways to work it into weapon upgrades as well, because you find like ruin, uh, uh, like materials from ru- ruins and that kind of stuff. But I didn't do too much of that. There wasn't a lot of opportunity to like really upgrade your stuff. Um, I like put a couple of points into my sword, and that was about it. But there's a a decent uh, amount of crafting in there. I'm interested. I think it's going to be useful for like end game weapons and also fashion souls. That's where I think it's going to be oh, really yeah. important. Um, I, I, yeah. I think it's also going to be really important for crafting those little sort of health buffs, which yeah. is something that I was hoping to do a bit more of. But getting those like, yeah, sure, I have my four flasks of of crimson health is what they call it. Uh, the crimson is the health and the cerulean is the magic the MP or whatever. FP is, I believe, is what they call it. Mm. But the I love having additional things to heal with. So if I can get a tiny bit of more health by having this little fucking meat meal that i made of like crab meat like awesome I, I i hope to see a lot more of that because there were certainly a lot of moments where i go damn i would i don't want to go back to a fucking bonfire i wish i could just heal up here because i want to take on that thing and i probably won't die but i still might and it'll suck to have to come back here you know uh before we move on 
are there any final thoughts you guys have that you want to share about Elden Ring? Before we do that, can I can I close this? You can oh, do yeah, whatever you want. I've been eyeing Tam, and I see, yeah, the sunlight has I'm been like, creeping I'm in. I'm shuffling into uh, yeah, a way I've like, been slowly seeing Tam. the struggle for like the last 10 minutes, and it's been <laughs> hilarious. Tam, if, Tam more if you don't right. know, like for X-Cast, there was a long bit where Paris uh, would slowly have like this sunlight circle creep up on him throughout the entire show. Oh so my God. you're yeah, not alone great. in that struggle. Don't worry. It was so annoying. I was like, fuck, I'm getting like pushed out of the camera frame <laughs> by this goddamn sun. Uh, last <laughs> things for Elden Ring. Um, I think if you are a Souls fan, you're really, really going to love it. Um, I think if you've never played a Souls game, I think this should be your first one because it feels so far like it's going to be the least punishing one. Um, and then, granted, there are still some really tough boss fights, but I just I think that they've done a whole lot in in in, in order to feel the players feel more empowered. Um, okay. And there's so much to freaking see if you are going to be a part of this closed network test that's coming up on Friday. This area is bigger than you think it is. And yeah. uh, there are I think I've fought at least I want to say five or six bosses total. Um Something like that, because there's a lot of tons of mini bosses. There's a lot of hidden areas to go look for and find. Um, yeah, this is I, I was already very hyped for this game, and I didn't expect to walk away feeling even more hyped somehow. And I definitely am because it's uh, seeing that part in the trailer where the warrior character is on the top of that cliff and sees what looks like to be a lot of different areas to explore. It's like, God damn, if this is just one part that we couldn't even fully see because we didn't have full access to it, this whole game is going to be fantastic. And I also want to say that Maximilian dude, I think nailed it when he said that this is going to be their Skyrim. This is going to be yeah. Bandai Namco Skyrim. It, it, it feels like Skyrim. There's a compass on the screen at times where I'm just like, this is, they are making their own Skyrim here. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense that they would try and do this because you know this is very much in their wheelhouse this is miyazaki and the team making the games the game yeah they're making the game by drawing on influences um that that kind of got them in this business right like the the reason that they partnered with george r r martin is because that's the kind of fantasy that miyazaki likes like that's the kind of shit that he loves and it it feels like that kind of game, that high fantasy game, but like it feels darker. It's got the from software edge to it. Like Skyrim, if it was kind of a little had more of teeth to it. And I am so, so excited to check out more of it. Obviously, like I'm I'm always popping off about how much I love these games, but like the prospect of having another one is massive to us, you know, because mm. These these games did for the community of people that love them, they define a period of your life, right? And now knowing that there's one of these coming and it's a massive open world version is wild. And I'm so so excited to it. I'm I am like so keen to get into the more traditional Souls-like areas and and go into like, you know, the the uh the dungeons and the big, you know, set piece moments. And also Let's not forget, like, they love to mess with us. We've seen a certain kind of experience. Like, there's probably something that's weirdly, uh, like, out of place, like Kanehurst Castle in this. That is, we're still yet to see. Uh, yeah. Who knows? They're, they're, we could end up in, like, 
you know, a Sekiro-style area where it's like, you know, this is a massive fantasy world that they've created. That's the thing. Like, they're, they're used to creating kingdoms and then using and placing them within worlds that are, like, fleshed out in, in uh, like, um, ancillary and, like, side stuff. Yeah. This is the first time they've built a world from the outside and then filled it in all the way so that we can find it. And that is, like, such an exciting prospect. Yeah, as, some, as somebody who... Um just again loved that moment of the following day after everybody played breath of the wild for the weekend and everybody had their own stories to tell i as a latecomer to the souls franchise and, and to you know everything from soft and and miyazaki and watching all sorts of lore videos and spending a whole lot of time watching just anything and grabbing sort of any uh, any pieces of lore that i could find it's going to be so cool that everybody's on the level playing field and everybody, including all of these big content creators that we love, like Vati Vidya, we are all going to be finding stuff at the same time. Think about the excitement you felt when you found out there was a secret hidden door in Demon Souls on PS5. Dude, Andy, I'm right there with you, right? Like, I'm also somebody who's very much a late comer. Yes. And, like, Sekiro and Bloodborne are my main touchstones to those games. And I cannot wait for to, like, jump into Elden Ring at the same time as everybody else and have that feeling. Because, the like, I know the Breath of the Wild comparison is tired for so many people. People hate when people compare every single open world game to Breath of the Wild. It feels even but, more like it now, though. <laughs> yeah, but, like, that, I, I, I do think that you're absolutely right in terms of that first day when you come back after playing a weekend of Breath of the Wild and talking to people about it and going, hey, did you see a fucking dragon when you looked up in the air it's like no did you see the fucking like a town that you can build no i didn't see that did you see i looked up this hill and there's like a weird fucking deer looking thing up here like those conversations to me made that game and the way that the, the way that you guys have talked about elden ring so far especially with tam what you just mentioned about the the way that they're building a world that is beyond what anything they built before in the partnership with uh george Rail railroad martin and mm -hmm. how all these elements come into play and how important that is for what this game is going to be i'm so excited even for the fact that andy how, how accessible uh, you mentioned it being i think that's going to be huge right and i know like there's conversations around difficulty and accessibility and all these things it seems like one the way you guys frame it it seems like this is their vision for it it seems like no this fits into what kind of game this this game wants to be and that's also going to feed into the popularity of it like i will not be surprised if elder ring is by far the most popular quote-unquote dark souls game or front software game i guess i should say at this point which you i think what? is really exciting nintendo have been gone unchallenged for far too long and if there's anyone out there that's gonna put together a breath of the wild killer it's gonna be from software mark my words damn wow he looked people, in the yeah. camera people, people, wow. people won't even think about breath of the wild after <laughs> yeah, this wow. people damn. are done breath of the wild's days are damn. over damn damn i just need to, I, I just need to remind you of breath of the wild sequels coming out pro most likely next year i just need you to like think about that as well <sighs> game of the war those game of, game of war conversations are gonna be fist fights yeah those are gonna be late next those, year those i am are not be looking wild. forward those to it i am not looking forward to it you know what i am looking forward to though Elden Ring. Uh, Andy, I believe you're working on a different video for Elden Ring that is going to go up, I think, at the same time as this video. Is that correct? Yeah, when the embargo goes up, uh, I mean, you're seeing it right now. If you're watching this, uh, the other video that's up is a 30 minute presentation because we had to kind of, you know, I had to edit quite a bit of stuff down to get 30 minutes in. Uh, and then there will be another video uh, releasing a couple days after that.
Hell yeah, so look forward to that. If you want to catch an episode of The Blessing Show that is all about Elden Ring and hype for it, that features Tamar Hussein and Imran Khan. Uh, there's an episode that went up earlier this year if you want to search for Elden Ring and The Blessing Show. It'll pop up. Or you Elden Ring kind of funny. That's what I use. Elden Ring kind of funny. I'll, I'll, I'll help you guys out here. So you do this. Yeah, well, you while you you're looking for The Blessing Show, and then you type yeah. in this. And then you go here, oh, and then you God. open up yeah. this video right Absolutely here. Absolutely done him. Boom. Right there. there oh, the go. Avengers the episode. Uh, Avengers uh, episode. Wait, so no, many oh, views. God, no, this is the wrong video. This is the wrong video. <laughs> oh, Lauren. God, this video has so many views. It's ridiculous. So many views on this. <laughs> oh, God damn it. That, that was me with every episode of KFAF Blessing. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he needs to come back and do another episode of the Blessing Show. <laughs> but, Tam, what was that you about to say? I was just going to say, make sure you go to gamespot.com and youtube.com forward slash gamespot to check out my content. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tam, before we wrap up, working people, mm -hmm. I guess you just said where people can find your work, but do you want to plug anything else? That's pretty much it. If you want to see me streaming stuff, you can go to twitch.tv forward slash tomorrow. I'm also hanging out there and I frequently talk about uh, Souls games and stream them. I'm playing Sekiro currently. You want to talk about Sekiro? I mean, I mean I'm down to talk about it. We'll talk about it a little bit in the post show because for That's now. Good. This has been kind of funny. Gamescast. Each and every week, we join you to talk about the hottest topics in gaming, along with reviews, previews, and impressions. We've got a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kind of funny game. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.